Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to today's webinar on innovations in agricultural insurance, lessons learned about managing smallholder farmer risk. Uh, this is co-hosted by the CGI Research Program on Policies, Institutions, and Markets, PIM, uh, and the Food Security Portal. Speakers will be presenting an evaluation of how innovation, innovative tools uh, in agricultural insurance have spawned further interest by academic development, government, and private sector actors, as well as recommendations for future research on risk management. My name is Nick Minot. Uh, I'm the Deputy Director of the Markets, Trade, and Institutions Division, uh, and I will be the moderator today. If you have any questions, uh, please feel free to submit them uh, in the side panel at any time where it says question box, and I will read them during the Q&A session uh, to get a uh, reaction from the panelists. Um, please note that this webinar will be recorded. The slides and recording of the session will be posted on the PIM website uh, shortly. Um, I should mention that uh, we will start with a presentation by uh, Peter Hazel and Anne Timu, um, and then later a presentation by Berber Kramer, um, Peter will talk about the, the Peter and Anne will talk about the research carried out by PIM on agricultural insurance and risk management, um, and kind of give an overview. Um, Berber will talk about where the gaps in the literature are, and um, discuss some directions for future research uh, under the One CGR reform process. Um, after that, there'll be a roughly 25-minute Q&A session. And then we'll close with some uh, remarks by Frank Place, the director of um, PIM, of Policies, Institutions, and Markets. Um, okay, so I will introduce each speaker as they come on. Uh, to begin, I'm pleased to introduce Peter Hazel. Uh, he is a research fellow emeritus at IFPRI, and Anne Timo, uh, who's an economist at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Uh, they will speak about action-oriented research on tools for improving smallholder farmer resilience to climate risk, uh, including agricultural insurance. They will share their recommendations for future CG research priorities on risk management. With that, uh, over to you, Peter. Well, thank you, Nick. Um, more specifically, Anna and I want to, to, to present very briefly the findings from a, a study we have just completed for PIM. Uh, PIM has been funding research on agricultural insurance at IFPRI since 2012, and we have been evaluating that, that, uh, that effort. Um, we've been looking at the activities they've undertaken, we've been looking at the research outputs, we've been trying to determine how what contributions they've made to the literature, what, what influence, what impact they've had on the profession through citation counts and so on. And we've done some case studies to try and look at some of the development outcomes from this work. Um, let me emphasize it's not an impact study. We haven't gone as far down the impact pathway as impacts. We've gone down and looked at research and development outcomes. Uh, which is, I think, uh, is is appropriate at this stage of the of the work uh, on on insurance at IFPRI. We also look briefly at what other CG centres have been doing on agricultural insurance, and then based on the IFPRI and the broader CG perspective, we conclude with some recommendations 
as to what we think the prior priorities should be for one CGIR on risk management and agricultural insurance going into the future. Uh, next slide, please. Um, when IFPRI, well, IFPRI began its insurance work in 2009, a little before the PIM funding started to kick in. And the situation at that time was um, one of frustration, actually. There had been a lot of optimism in the beginning of the century about how index insurance and uh, remote sensing and e-banking and all these things were going to transform agricultural insurance and make it much more accessible to, to smallholders around the developing world. And yet, despite uh, offsetting that optimism was a lot of uh, findings from pilot projects and from research studies showing that farmers simply weren't demanding this stuff, even when it was heavily subsidized, that there, there was a real demand constraint preventing it from scaling up. And in 2009, this was a time when a few researchers, mostly in US universities and a, and a couple at the World Bank were beginning to undertake research to understand what was holding back demand. And IFPRI jumped into that uh, in 2009. It took some case studies in Bangladesh, Ethiopia and, and, and China uh, and did local studies to, to try and determine what the constraints to demand were. And they made some, as I will explain, they made some very valuable contributions to the literature from that work. But more importantly, perhaps, they moved very quickly to thinking about innovative solutions to the demand constraints that they were identifying uh, and exploring innovative programs in the same sites in which they had been looking at the demand constraints. And we saw innovative work on um, flexible forms of weather index products. Uh, instead of having a single index for a region based on the risk faced by an average farmer, they looked at the variation in risks uh, in that region and they designed a whole set of, uh, of index products. And then farmers were allowed to pick and choose. And then if they picked the right portfolio of insurance um, indexes, um, uh, that, that could be a powerful way of reducing uh, basis risk, which had been determined to be one of the main, main constraints. They also looked at what they called gap insurance, which was um, using a combination of area average area yield measurements to complement uh, the weather index. Uh, and the combination were, was more precise for many farmers uh, than the weather index on its own. And then they moved into what I think is the most innovative one, which is this picture-based insurance. And this requires that farmers take a series of pictures of their plot over the growing season. And then after harvest, uh, when, when, when the uh, weather index uh, kicks in or doesn't kick in at the end of the season, um, if a farmer had, had a loss but it wasn't covered by the regional index, uh, then the picture-based evidence could be used to determine whether they should have a payment or not. So this was a, a much more direct way, much more individual, individualistic way of tackling the, the basis risk problem. So they started experimenting with these different approaches. Um, and then beginning at around 2.15, um, they moved from 
randomized trials and experiments of these different approaches to actually working with commercial partners, insurance companies, banks, and so on, piloting these things in farmers' fields, uh, knowing that if they were successful, then the commercial partners would scale them up and they would have some real development impacts. Um, so this is a very action-oriented research, which I think Pim was hoping for, uh, and which um, really did begin to happen. Um, well, the earliest one was actually in Uruguay, beginning in 2014. The, the research team had been playing around with flexible weather tickets for horticultural farms in Uruguay in, um, uh, in the year before. And then 2014, 2015, the, the Ministry of Agriculture and the State Insurance Bank took, took this up uh, and they started a real pilot program. Um, I'm pleased to say that this, well, the, the, this was one of our, our case studies, but that, that program is still running today very successfully. And even though if we uh, pulled out or terminated its uh, support in 2015, uh, 2015, um, the current program still retains most of the design features uh, that IFBRI uh, that, that provided, uh, particularly on the flexible weather tickets. Um, we have lots, see lots of activity on the picture-based insurance. Uh, it's, uh, right now, they have a big program in India in three states, Punjab, Haryana, and Odisha. Sorry about the spelling mistake there. Uh, they're working with a, a private insurance company, HDFC Ergo. Um, this program is now reached the point that, you know, the, since um, the, the government, the prime minister introduced a, a new area yield insurance scheme in India, I think in um, 215, 216, was it? Um, and which has run into problems with basis risk. And one of the interesting things about what's going on in India right now is that the IFBRI team is, is working, particularly in Odisha, using PBI to try and resolve or reduce basis risk within this um, PMFBY insurance program, this national insurance program. And if they're successful, that could have a huge impact on, on the, uh, the uh, countrywide area yield insurance program in India. So that's, that's a very exciting project. They're also working in Kenya with uh, Acre Africa, um, on index on PBI bundled with, um, with particularly with drought tolerant seeds, and they're doing the same thing with the R4 res Rural Resilience Initiative in Ethiopia. That work is all ongoing. And then there is a project uh, using um, risk contingent credit, which is an uh, insurance li linked to bank lend lending, uh, which is going on in Kenya with the with the Equity Bank. Um, so some real action-oriented pilots going on here. Um, Argentina already a success, an established program that's running 10 years later. Um, sorry, not 10 years, seven years later. And, and real prospects for significant development impact in, in India, Ethiopia, um, and Kenya. Um, next slide, please. Um, one of the impressive things about the activities of the program is the, the range of the diversity of partners that they have, uh, have established. I don't have time to really talk about this. The main point I want to make is that if you look at the, 
those partners with commercial interests, the, um, the local banks, the insurance companies, the international reinsurers, and the private sector, which includes the intermediaries like the, uh, the seed companies that, that are doing part of the bundling uh, approach, um, these account for 44% of the partnerships. So it's a pretty convincing evidence that this is a very, uh, uh, excuse me, a very action-oriented pro-development uh, research program that's ongoing. I'm going to turn over to Anne, who's going to talk more specifically about the research outputs and, and, and the quality of those outputs and how influ influential they have been. Thank you. Over to you, Anne. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Can you hear me? Can you yes. hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Yeah, thanks, Peter. So in this section, we are going to talk about the contribution of IFPRIWA to the agricultural insurance space and research and policy community in general. So as Peter mentioned, IFPRIWAC um, started in about 2009. They started looking at um, insurance uptake and factors behind uh, low uptake. Specifically, they looked at the demand side constraint. And during 20, 2009, you know, there are very few literature, there was scanty literature in the insurance space. So they found out two main constraints to uptake. The first one was basis risk, which is the difference between the individual loss and the loss reflected by the index, and there was premium prices. So they found that uh, premium risk uh, reduced demand. There was an inverse relationship between the distance to the weather station and the household which they used as a proxy for basis risk. And premium prices also, um, uh, they found that insurance is price sensitive, but the elasticities reported were slightly lower than elasticities reported in more recent study studies. So nevertheless, the low elasticity suggests that non-price factors matter, and these non-price factors include credit and liquidity constraints. Most of these pilots are conducted in areas where farmers are already facing liquidity constraints. They are missing financial markets. There's upfront premium payment requirements. So all these factors combined make it very hard for farmers to have the liquidity to purchase insurance. Also, um, they find that uh, financial literacy also, we expect that you know, farmers who are lowly financial literate financially literate, they are less likely to purchase the products. There was also the aspect of trust in the product itself and the product providers. Uh, if we, researchers also looked at farmer heterogeneity, one of the main things they looked at is variations in uptake by gender. They show that women and women-headed households are less likely to purchase agricultural insurance. And when they do, they purchase lesser units. They also evaluate the role of risk aversion, scale of operation, where they use uh, farm size or um, livestock holdings as a proxy for, for wealth. And they find that wealthier people are more likely to purchase insurance. Another contribution to the literature is exempt and export, uh, exposed benefits of agricultural insurance. This is, um, there are like three studies on this space because it needs a longer panel to observe impacts. But they find that uh, insurance positively impacts farm investment, especially in fertilizer use, labor use, and farm diversification. And one of the major contributions, as Peter mentioned, is the flexible weather insurance contract. Most of the insurance are out here, they are one size fit all. They don't take into, um, the, into consideration the heterogeneity in farmers. But we know farmers, even in developing countries, they're heterogeneous in nature in terms of their gender needs. Um, 
the risk aversion decree. So if we recognize the heterogeneity in pharma needs and offer a menu of insurance product, and they find that when farmers are faced with multiple um, insurance product, they're able to understand and their needs are met better. The demand for the flexible insurance contract was higher than a standard loan contract. Next slide, please. The uh, later contribution is the picture-based insurance that Peter mentioned about, where payout is based on georeference pictures taken by farmers. One of the main constraints that are mentioned is basis risk, which is the difference between individual losses and the one reflected by index. So, but PBI closely monitors individual losses. So they find that studies based on PBI finds that it reduces basis risk and other information asymmetries such as moral hazard and adverse selection. Also based on um, PBI, if researchers demonstrate that crop modeling and simulation machine learning, artificial, artificial intelligence, they reduce basis risk and they can be used to fasten the payout process, especially where imagery is involved. Um, there is human processing and interpretation of imagery. So you find that when you automate the process, it's easier and the payout process is fastened, therefore um, able to help farmers when they really need the money most. If we also investigated how to bundle the new forms of insurance, especially PBI, in India they have PBI and advisory services, climate smart agriculture. In Kenya, they bundled PBI with improved seed varieties. So this complementarity allows people to access um, otherwise um, services that are not accessible to them, especially women who are normally excluded from the formal financial market and improved seeds. When they bundle product, it makes it attractive uh, to um, the portion of the population that is not able to access the products. And then we have the RCC, risk contingent credit, where insurance is bundled with credit. And one of another major contribution is combining data sets to um, evaluate the quality of product that can reduce basis risk. And um, they, they, I think they combine remotely sensed data, picture-based insurance to see, you know, which product can provide the best quality, which product can uh, reduce basis risk. Next. So in the next section, we evaluate the quality of IFPRI in terms of its contribution to the scientific community and policy community. We use data on citations, downloads, arithmetic scores to, um, to evaluate the quality and compare it with other researchers who've worked in similar space. If you look at the figure one, um, this is the citations based on Web of Science. So the Web of Science is solely based on journal articles and no books or blogs or social media mentions. So we see that articles that were published between 2011 and 2013 have higher number of citations. And this is expected. They've accumulated citations over time. So we expect that. But on the other side, articles that were published between 2019 and 2020 also have higher number of citations. And this could be attributed to the technology or the cutting edge technology that is used, PBI and RCC. If we look at the general contribution to policy and general scientific community using Google citations, we see that it mirrors the web of science citations. So this involves um, more outputs, including working papers, discussion papers, blogs, and podcasts. We see that articles that were published in earlier 2011 to 2013 have higher citations 
and those that were published later also have higher number of citations. So looking at the altmetric scores, which is a weighted count of the amount of attention an uh, article received from social media, we see that uh, the outputs that were published after 2018 have high altmetric scores. And this could be attributed to more platforms in the social media space, including uh, podcasts and uh, blogs, and people paid more attention to the technology-based uh, products. Also, number of downloads, even though it does not match the citations, we see that the number of downloads was really high, um, almost up to 1,000 for, for the highest marks in the, the maximum height. Next. Um, so looking at IFRI work in isolation does not really tell us much about the quality of IFRI work um, in the insurance space. So what we do next, we compare IFRI output versus researchers working in similar space. So we um, use some professors, Professor Barnett, Barrett, Miranda, and Skies, who've worked in this space before. Um, and we have two time periods. Between 2011 and 2015, we see that IFRI published only three journal papers, while our comparators published 28 journal papers. But regardless of the lower number of publications from IFRI, they had an average higher number of citations at 125 versus 98 uh, average citations from our comparator researchers. The same to other outputs, working papers, discussion papers, and briefs, if we had to during this time period, our comparators had 98. But if we had high number of citations compared to the comparator uh, researchers. In later periods between 2016 and 2020, our comparators had high number of journal papers, 28 compared to 13 if we. But um, things changed here. Our comparators had high number of citations compared to IFRI. And when we compare other outputs, our comparators also had high number of citations. And this could be due to the specificity around the technology that uh, IFRI is dealing with. And we expect that as it gains more traction and you know, as time goes by, they'll start gaining, um, it will start getting cited beyond IBLE people will start working on PBI and RCC and uh, cite the work. So I'll give it back to Peter to conclude. Yeah, well, thank you, Anne. Um, yeah, I think one of the takeaway points here is that hardly anybody else is, has, has published on PBI and flexible insurance. IPRI is really, really pioneering a whole new literature here. Uh, which is which is attracting a lot of attention. Um, as part of our work, we we also looked at what other CG centres have, have been doing on ag insurance over a similar time period. Um, we want to draw these broader recommendations about for one CGIAR, but um, ILRI, of course, has been one of the pioneers uh, and began work on its uh, index-based livestock insurance, Ibley, back in 2010. One of the interesting things there is that they, um, they took um, a region, a, a county, and they picked about a thousand households and they stayed with those thousand house households for about eight years. Uh, um, continuous surveys. It's a wonderful panel data set, but they were they were making improvements to the design of the insurance program o over time. Sort of really, sort of trying to find the the best formula for 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 Ibley to succeed. 
Uh, and it's very different from the sort of quick in-out studies that most people do on on, on designing insurance programs or, or even piloting programs, a really long-term research effort, uh, which has been very successful. Uh, Ibli is now an established commercial program uh, in Ethiopia, in the dry areas of Kenya and Ethiopia, and it is unsubsidized and, and, it, and it continues today. And so, a very interesting model. Um, Simiti, Chrysatiri have all experimented with bundling insurance um, with drought and stress tolerant seed varieties. Um, they all work with the standard weather index product, they don't uh, try the PBIs or the flexible ones. Well, Fish has done interesting work on aquatic insurance for fish farmers, uh, IMI on flood insurance. Um, and the CG Climate Program has CAF, CCAFs, a bit like PIM, they, they fund research on agricultural insurance. Um, they funded some of the work mentioned above. They fund work by non-CG partners. Um, it's very much um, a platform for presenting results, good practices and so on, but they don't really do research of their own. Um, I think it's fair to say of all the CG work that it's rather like IFPRI and that it's very much focused on demand side issues for farmers, especially smallholders, and looking at innovations for, for making that insurance more attractive, less costly for smallholders. Um, so that next slide, please, this leads to our final um, slide and our recommendations. Um, everything we've said so far is really about agricultural insurance. Um, there isn't much work on risk management more generally, and that is uh, one of the points we will come back to. But um, thinking about priorities, it seems to me um, that PBI is, I don't know if it's quite the silver bullet yet for agricultural insurance, but it certainly looks promising. And IFPRI has to make some tough decisions about how far to, to take this. So far, they've been using PBI basically to solve um, basis risk problems, um, but it would also have potential um, uh, for transforming indemnity insurance at farm levels, particularly if they can automate the uh, photo interpretation process through artificial intelligence and so on. Um, so I think there's a lot of future scope for PBI. And of course, IFPRI is embedded in these relationships with uh, Acre Africa and um, the R4 Resilience Project and so on. And I suspect they ought to be doing a bit of the IBLI approach, sticking with those, those programs, uh, the, the study region, the pilot regions, and really you know, fine tuning the, the products um, to really make it work. So, but this is a, a call for IFPRI and, and also for other centers. Um, why aren't any of them using or trying PBI? That's, um, I think this, this is an important area for some priority think, prioritizing uh, thinking. Uh, other issues, um, everybody, well, we, we don't see a lot of research on the design of uh, of insurance products specifically tailored for, for poor and women-headed households who are typically excluded, excluded from insurance markets. Most people test a particular product for which they um, apply to a whole range of smallholders. 
They don't design products specifically for these excluded people. There's a lot more gray literature, you know, donors and NGOs, EFAD, World Food Program, and so on, have been experimenting with specific products, but you don't see much research uh, evaluation of those kinds of products. So we think there's more to be done there. But there is a, also a question of you know, what is the role of insurance, subsidized insurance for these poor people uh, compared to using safety nets, which is the most efficient tool to, to use, or is there some appropriate combination? We see no research on that except one study that was done by Ilri within the Ibli context. So more work needed there. Um, we talk a lot about bundling insurance with seeds and, and extension and other, other value-adding propositions. Um, and that brings up a question that Binswanger, Hans Binswanger raised more than 10 years ago. If, if, if these bundles are so profitable for farmers and attractive to farmers, then why the heck aren't the seed companies and the other agro dealers and even the banks much more aggressive in pushing these products? Uh, it, it would seem that perhaps it's not so attractive for them. Um, so one would like to see more research on what make, what um, what kinds of insurance are attractive to the uh, insurance companies and the intermediaries. Researchers work with these agents, as does IFBRI, but they don't. They always look at the attractive attractiveness of the product to the smallholders, not to the insurer or the intermediary. Uh, one would like to see some some work looking at the returns to the intermediaries and the insurers, uh, maybe even some randomized trials over a number of, uh, of intermediaries and, and insurance companies. But we need more work there. I mean, why aren't these people pushing these bundled products? Why does it always take a donor project or an NGO to, to initiate a bundled approach? Um, tail end risks are another big issue, particularly with climate change. These are typically much too expensive to insure for most smallholders, particularly the poorer and the more vulnerable ones. Um, subsidies are inevitable. Um, and I think, well, most governments rely on disaster assistance of various kinds to handle this problem. And there are problems with disaster assistance, which we won't go into now. Um, but one of them is that ex post um, relief um, does not encourage good rational decision making. And if one could use subsidized insurance, heavily subsidized insurance to replace some disaster assistance, one might get much better ex-ante risk management on the part of farmers, uh, which would not only improve their livelihoods, but reduce their future dependence on disaster assistance. And if you can really remove those risks from the market, it may even crowd in more insurance for the remaining risks. So I think the whole air question about do you use ex post disaster assistance or do you use some of that public money to create some form of um, in subsidized insurance, ex ante insurance for farmers, um, that is an interesting question that needs and becoming a much more important one as governments spend more and more money on disaster assistance with climate change. These are issues that really need to be studied in more detail. There are a lot of public policy issues. We're not, I mean, there's clearly 
insurance and government um, subsidies and other forms of government support um, play a big role in agricultural insurance. Um, and we, a lot of research uh, evaluates the benefits of insurance to, to farmers, but there are virtually no studies about the social cost benefit of this kind of spending. Um, uh, is it better to spend on disaster, assist, on disaster assistance and on subsidized insurance? Is it better to use safety nets for poor people rather than subsidized insurance? These are basic questions that are not being asked, nor are the broader social costs and benefits of, of subsidizing insurance. Um, it's interesting that IFPRI, being a policy institute, has done virtually no work on these issues itself, uh, not since the 1980s. <laughs> and finally, coming back to an earlier comment, um, all the work is on insurance. Um, no, much too little work taking a more holistic view of farmers' risk management problems. Insurable risks are just a one subset of the risks they face, and they have lots of other ways of coping and managing risks. They have to, to deal with these non-insurable ones. One needs to look at insurance within the broader context of their overall risk management problem. Failing to do so can lead to second best solutions in, in re making recommendations to farmers. Perhaps more importantly, uh, for policy purposes, it can lead to serious overestimation of the potential demand for insurance. So I think in the future, the CG needs to take this much more holistic approach to farmer risk management. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Peter and Anne. Uh, you packed a lot of uh, information into a very uh, short period. Uh, before I introduce our last speaker uh, for the day, I'd like to remind everyone to feel free to submit your questions uh, in the question box. Uh, after the last presentation, we'll have a 25-minute Q&A period. Um, and if the question is for a specific presenter, please specify this in the question. So. Last but not least, I'm pleased to introduce Berber Kramer. She is a senior research fellow at IFPRI, and she will um, discuss the uh, gaps in the literature uh, and uh, sort of possible directions for future research under the 1CGR reform process. Uh, with that, over to you, Berber. Thank you so much, Nick. And also, I would like to thank Anne and Peter for a wonderful review um, of the work that PIM has been funding in the area of agriculture assurance over probably what is almost the past 10 years. Um, and also the different funding partners that we have had in this work, um, including PIM and also some of the partners that I have on the, the next slide. Um, also, thanks to the team that has been working on this. Uh, which includes Francisco Ceballos, who is a, a research fellow in the Market Strait and Institutions Division. Um, so here um, you see a slide which uh, presents an overview of what the insurance initiative funded by PIM is currently primarily focusing on. Um, and to answer some of the questions and evidence gaps that Peter and Anne um, highlighted, um, I wanted to emphasize the sort of breadth of work that is currently ongoing and for which um, you might be expecting hopefully some publications uh, in the near future and a lot more knowledge um, that is coming out soon. 
Um, so starting with Haryana where in, um, in India, where we started the testing around picture-based insurance, um, we took that a step further and said, okay, we have a proof of concept. Now let's introduce a large-scale impact evaluation together with um, HDFC, ergo the insurance company that we partner with, the Borlaug Institute for Salvesia, which is our local partner for implementing these products on the ground, um, on the agronomy side, analyzing the images, and then with funding support from the International Impact um, from the International Initiative for Impact Evaluation, the IE. Um, so in here, we are doing a long, longitudinal impact evaluation um, and, and also going to um, a welfare analysis, looking at what are actually the welfare benefits of these image-based insurance products um, relative to a more tra traditional way of providing social safety nets, which is cash transfers. So here we're really trying to get at some of those questions around um, gaps in what are the costs and benefits of these programs. Um, so cost-benefit analysis um, is very much in the works in Haryana. Um, the same in Odisha, where we are doing um, also in India, where with VARA e-registry, and again with um, funding from VIE, we're doing an impact evaluation um, of alternative types of digital agricultural loans um, that are using both satellite imagery, but also the smartphone images from picture-based insurance. Um, and these loans are bundled with insurance to de-risk the loans. Um, so again, there, there's a long-term impact evaluation set up to really start saying something more about the cost effectiveness of these financial instruments um, and the welfare impacts that these instruments have on smallholder farmers' lives. Um, and also really focusing on the social inclusion aspects. So um, uh, how to make these products better designed for different types of marginalized groups. We're looking at how to design these loans so that they are more accessible for women and so that they better meet women's needs and preferences. Um, so those are some of the questions that we have moved to now that there is a proof of concept for the technology, really looking at sort of that next layer of questions. Um, in Kenya, um, the work with Acre Africa has been mentioned uh, before. Um, we have now really moved to a phase of looking at what are the business models, so answering questions around what is in it for the intermediaries um, that are providing these insurance products or that could be bundling with these insurance products? Um, how cost effective is it for those types of organizations? And can we really indeed see them as scaling partners? And in case, um, uh, since these products are not coming off the ground by themselves, how much de-risking is needed from uh, the public sector um, how much of a push um, do the public uh, funding partners need to provide in this case? So that's in Kenya. And then in Ethiopia, we are very much focused on this idea of holistic risk management. In Ethiopia, we are working with the R4 Rural Resilience Initiative, which has four pillars. One focused on risk transfer, so insurance, but also three pillars around other uh, risk management instruments, including risk preparedness or savings, um, credit as a, um, an, an investment mechanism, but also a resilience tool and a risk management instrument, and then also risk reduction. Um, and so some really interesting work um, that we hope is coming out in the next few years uh, from there. And again, as I said, gender is really um, nowadays uh, really a key resource theme 
um, in, in all the work that we're doing. Um, so we're hoping to, to publish a lot more work from this in the next few years. Next slide, please. So here's some, um, uh, first of all, a few bullet points on the question around how far to take PBI. So the way we are approaching it in the research program is that the focus should not necessarily only be on picture-based insurance, but it's more an instrument that helps us answer some really important questions in the area of agriculture insurance. First of all, what are the impacts? If we are providing high quality affordable insurance products, what are the welfare benefits? What is the cost effectiveness of financial instruments that improve risk management for different types of small scale farmers? Um, for different, a range of different outcome variables. Now, another question is around the mechanism design. As we move to indemnity insurance, um, how is this affecting insurance markets? Um, if, we, if we are worried about moral hazard and adverse selection, um, problems associated with information asymmetries in indemnity insurance, should we still be worried about those these days? Or is the improved monitoring through technology sufficient to actually contain these problems associated with information asymmetries? Um, and finally, um, a question that we're asking through using PBI as an instrument is how to optimally combine insurance products and indemnity insurance in particular with other risk management approaches. So the point here is that it is not necessarily only about picture-based insurance, but more the picture-based insurance um, offers us an instrument to answer some of these more fundamental questions. Um, now, there are a number of, of evidence gaps that are really important to address and that I hope can become more at the forefront and that we can get more transparency about um, in also the one CG reforms, um, including a better segmentation of different solutions, meeting the needs of different types of farmers and the needs that are there for different types of risk to manage dif different types of risks. So, so, so we, I think we really need to distinguish between small commercial farmers versus small subsistence farmers requiring very different solutions and subsidies being more inevitable for uh, risk management among small subsistence farmers, maybe even integration into social safety nets. Um, for managing till end risks, we'll talk even more about subsidies. Um, and there are important questions arise in terms of are we better off financing disaster assistance programs in the regular ways, or could we use um, insurance to finance these forms of disaster assistance? Does this improve ex-ante uh, risk management? Also, does this lead to improved investments ex-ante, um, not only by smallholder farmers, but also by crowding in insurance and other financial service providers, um, because those catastrophic risks have been transferred out of the system. Um, so those are, that's, that's a, a few notes on Outlook for Future Research. And again, I would like to thank Anne and Peter so much for their uh, very comprehensive review. And it's been a pleasure working with you over the past more than six months, I think. Um, and from here, um, I think we can open it up to questions. Thank you so much. Next slide, please. Great. Uh, thank you so much, Berber. Uh, so now we will uh, open it up uh, for the Q&A session. Um, I invite all the speakers to turn on your webcams and keep them on for the remainder of the event. 
Uh, looks like you're already there. Uh, and uh, to the members of the audience, please continue to submit your questions in the question box, and we will do our best to uh, to address them. Um, okay, so let me find the screen here. Okay, so um, I'll start out with some questions uh, from uh, from the audience. Um, uh, one question is, uh, one potential disadvantage of index-based livestock insurance by ILRI has been that owners of large commercial herds of cattle have further increased their stocks uh, as death due to overgrazing would be compensated by the insurance. Um, I guess this is sort of a question about moral hazard. Um, is there a similar risk in, uh, in a uh, crop production setting? Um, it, it doesn't uh, uh, address the question to any particular person, so um, whoever is interested in uh, responding to that is fine. Um, oh, maybe... I can respond to yep. that. Um, I, I, yeah, there is definitely a risk um, as a result of insurance creating um, uh, over-intensification, um, uh, perhaps um, having negative, insurance can have negative environmental effects um, if farmers are, as a result of insurance, um, um, yeah, over-applying inputs or over-investing. Um, and so this is something that is a negative um, effect of insurance that um, at the moment, we know very little about from existing uh, trials that have been done in the area of insurance, but this is definitely a cost that needs to be better documented through future um, studies, cost-benefit analysis, and also um, experiments and randomized trials that are being done. I think more attention needs to be paid to these negative externalities that might be occurring as a result of insurance. Peter, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I think one needs to distinguish between subsidized and unsubsidized insurance. Um, subsidies can really worsen this problem. Um, you now make it much more profitable to, to do the environmentally damaging things when, when you have a big insurance subsidy. Unsubsidized insurance, I don't think we have a lot of evidence that, um, that farmers that the environmental problems are as large. One would like to see a, a clear distinction between unsubsidized and unsubsidized insurance when, when one measures these impacts, these negative impacts. But I think it makes a huge difference. Um, in the sense that this is index insurance, farm or livestock herders are not compensated on a per animal basis, right? It's on the basis of uh, rainfall at a nearby gauge, but I guess there's still some um, moral hazard issues there. Yeah, but but uh, it enables them to re retain their livestock in a drought. They don't have to, to liquidate them. Uh, they can they can buy feed. Um, mm -hmm. So I saw this uh, in different form in, in um, the steppes of North Africa, West Asia, where the not insurance, but uh, the governments across the region introduced big barley subsidies during drought years. And the idea was that you know, the farmers could feed barley to buy barley at subsidized rates and, and keep their livestock alive during the drought. 
and it was very successful. Um, so much so that uh, you know, historically, the, if you looked at the stocking rate on on the step, it was horizontal. There were big fluctuations around the horizontal line. Then you saw the feed subsidies come in, and suddenly the trend was up, <laughs> uh, and they, there was a huge increase in average stocking rates, and it led to a lot of degradation of the of the of the grazing resources and so on. So very counterproductive, but it was a big feed subsidy and that I mean and if Iblee were heavily subsidized you might see something similar but Iblee is not subsidized uh, the only subsidized program in Kenya for livestock is the um, the Calif the, the, there is um, the government provides fully subsidized insurance for the small herders up to five livestock units uh, to protect them and that is fully subsidized but anything beyond five livestock units you have to pay the full insurance price not subsidized Anne knows all about this she spent several years working on it <laughs> yeah um even without the clip uh Ibli alone is subsidized so 80 percent of the household receive subsidy that is average like 68 percent so there's that component of subsidy but generally, if you look at subsidized insurance, uh, it leads to more negative externalities. There are studies, especially in the US and European market that show how externalities, the negative externalities, um, how subsidized insurance can lead to negative externalities, especially in fertilizer use when talking about crops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, just a follow-up question uh, for Berber or for anyone, but, um, do you see any uh, influence of insurance, uh, let's say PBI, on the behavior of farmers in terms of input use or um, area cultivated or crop mix, things like that? Yes, yeah, so far, um, this, is, this is a research question that we are currently looking into as part of the impact evaluations um, that were on the map with the different countries that I showed. Um, so far, we have some midterm or midline findings in which we find in both India and Kenya that there's some promising results in terms of increasing um, uh, input use. Now, at the same time, we haven't found that to result yet in improvements in productivity. Um, and so this could be a problem if this persists in the long run. As farmers are increasing their investments, you would want that to result in increased incomes and productivity. Um, so that's something that we will have to keep monitoring through um, sort of the, the next series of follow-up surveys that are ongoing. It might be that the impacts on productivity take longer to materialize, or that maybe farmers need comprehensive or complementary services such as advisories on how to best apply these inputs um, or that it takes more time to learn. Um, and then there's also the bundling with inputs that um, could help with those productive investments, turning that into true productivity impacts. If you're investing in more high quality seeds because the insurance is bundled with high quality seed, maybe you could expect higher impacts. So this is a question that is very much still in progress. Now, based on previous work um, done by other research teams, we know that insurance um, by de-risking investments can lead to increased uh, both um, uh, investments, um, different farming practices, but also improved productivity. And whether that's, you know, whether that's also the case 
with PBI and with these new insurance products that we're testing. Um, that's something for which I would say stay tuned because research findings will be coming out uh, soon. Yeah. Okay. That, that's one of our recommendations in the report. We observed that most if we project, they have a lifespan of maybe uh, three years at most. Like um, the longest panel is around three uh, time periods. So we recommend that uh, you try to allow more longer term observations, like in Ibli, where we have a seven time period, uh, seven um, panel wave. So if you allow the longer time observations, then you'll be able to observe impacts and attribute them to the, to the treatment. So that's one of our recommendations in the report. Mm -hmm. uh, great. Um, okay, we have a, a question for you, Anne. Um, in the quantitative analysis on citations, uh, do you account for the fact that some articles are open access and others are not? Uh, do you distinguish between open access uh, uh, publications and, and others? No, we did not do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, and um, a question for um, Berber. Uh, could you elaborate on your definition of small commercial farmers? How do you define that? I think that's more, um, so, so small commercial farmers versus small subsistence farmers, or what do we define as smallholder farmers? Uh, I think the question is uh, small commercial farmers, like, yeah. So we focused on the marketing orientation. Um, so with small subsistence farmers, they might sell some in the market, but the primary use of crops being produced on the farm is really home consumption. Um, and when we're talking about small commercial farmers, um, the farm is really a business activity, a business endeavor. Um, so that's, that's the main uh, way in which we would distinguish between the two. And then because of that, different risk management solutions being needed by these different types of farmers. Mm -hmm. Do you have a threshold of the marketed uh, sur marketed surplus, the uh, the portion of production sold? One as such, I don't know, um, Peter, if in your yeah. work around this technology you have defined a threshold. Yeah, we have done some work on that um, um, using percentage of um, product production that is sold. Um, we did it for several countries. This was done with AGRA um, and the Gates Foundation. Um, it's a complicated story. I don't know if I can give you <laughs> a two-liner version, but yes, if you there, there are ways. You do tend to get um, by 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 modal distributions when when you look at some of this data. So there are fairly natural divisions between farms. In fact, you can use clustering techniques to, to break them out, but we found for um, several countries, we could make useful distinctions between um, subsistence-oriented, uh, not only um, commercial, but pre-commercial and commercial uh, and, and diversified households. That's another important cat category, particularly in areas that are well-connected to uh, urban areas, a lot of non-farm opportunities. There's an awful lot of farmers out there today who are really just part-time farmers growing food for themselves, but they have 
significant income coming from non-agricultural sources. So we actually did a much broader classification. But um, if you go to the 2017 African Agriculture Status Report that AGRA put out, you'll find a whole chapter in an annex uh, showing how we did this and, where, and with examples for several countries. Um, yeah. Okay. It makes sense to do it for insurance. Segmenting the market, I, I think, makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, um, another question is, uh, in India, there are insurance schemes supported by the, the central government. Um, how is IFPRI going to compete and attract farmers, um, I guess, with the idea that these uh, insurance schemes are, um, are subsidized? Is it a different regions or... Uh, more attractive product. Um, how does that work? Yeah, no. So we're actually not trying to compete. We're we're working um, on these technology innovations to inform uh, the the government insurance scheme. Um, and in fact, in um, well, the insurance company that we are working with is also one of the key implementing agencies in that um, insurance scheme. We are also working with the um, organization Mahalanobis National Crop Forecast Center, um, which is the um, uh, organization that is in charge of all the technology solutions in the scheme and making sure that technology solutions that are being applied, that they are validated in terms of um, indeed being the right technologies for the right thing that the technologies are trying to predict or estimate. So for instance, when we're talking about yield estimation, making sure that any satellite-based um, uh, remote sensing solutions that those are indeed predicting yields accurately. So, so this is the organization that is doing all that um, and we are also closely working with them on testing the PBI approach and, and, and how it can be used in the government insurance scheme. And then finally we're actually in one state um, together with the insurance company that we're partnering with HDFC and with the Odisha state government, we're actually testing the use of images to implement specific components um, in the scheme, specific losses that the scheme currently has trouble um, uh, indemnifying, including uh, localized damage, um, also including post-harvest lo harvest losses. So there's a great interest from the Odisha state government and can we use the smartphone images to actually assess farmers' claims for these types of losses that might be better captured with photos rather than uh, other technologies or the existing methodology that the scheme is using. So we definitely don't want to enter this market as a competitor. Um, we are testing to inform the government scheme on how it can be made more effective or potentially other commercial partners that are uh, or other commercial agencies that are en interested in entering this space um, without subsidies but a key point here is that with the hefty subsidies in this scheme it's very difficult for a commercial partner to enter although there are solutions so we, we shouldn't say you know never um, but our interest is not in competing that's that's by all means not our intention yeah mm -hmm. okay um there are uh, some more questions but we're kind of running out of time i want to give frank uh uh, some time to make uh, closing remarks. Uh, let me just urge uh, the participants, if you didn't hear your question asked, then uh, 
feel free to uh, contact the presenters directly. I'm sure they'll be uh, happy to uh, to address your question. Uh, okay, uh, Frank, uh, over to you. Yeah, thanks uh, very much, Nick. Uh, and thanks uh, to Peter and Anne for their study and insights on accomplishments achieved and key challenges that lie ahead. Uh, I want to also give th special thanks to the to the team of researchers. That's uh, Berber Kramer, uh, who is here with us today, but also Francisco Ceballos, you mentioned, Liang Yu, who is working on the RC, the risk contingent credit, and other colleagues who are behind the scenes and co-authors of some of these papers, conducting the research on risk management innovations within PIM. And thanks to the participants too. I think your questions reinforce the notion that was brought out in the evaluation that the the details and nuances of insurance approaches are very important in the ultimate uptake and benefit of them. Um, the 2030 CGIR research and innovation strategy gives kind of unprecedented attention, I think, to the need for innovation and risk management um, that we hadn't seen in previous uh, you know, results frameworks and so forth. Um, and thus, I'm very pleased that this uh, small but very able team was to, was able to make such a sig significant advances uh, leading into this uh, to the new one uh, CGIR. The advances were not so much in uh, the uh, breadth of the different types of risk management innovations as brought out by the study, but rather in the persistence in modification of the focal innovations and in the forays into early and significant partnerships with the private sector to best understand how these innovations can translate into business models that will be of interest to them and including the integration with related services. So I commend the, the team for, for exploring these uh, very innovative uh, approaches. Some successes have been demonstrated by the evaluation, such as the contribution to the literature on insurance. As Peter and Ann note, it is uh, not a new topic. Uh, and therefore I was personally surprised by the high proportion of research uh, uh, well, the high impact of, of, of uh, the research publications on insurance that can be attributed to this mighty group of scientists that we've been funding. I'm also happy that the team uh, recognized uh, uh, the development of partnerships by the researchers, especially with the organizations who are in a position to directly use the research findings in their own strategies, products, and services. I believe that these are solid uh, partnerships and will continue into the future. And finally, I do hope that there will be continued opportunities to build on these advances and to forge greater collaboration among related efforts in the CGIR, for example, with the Livestock Insurance Group, um, and also the many production practices and digital tools that are being tested to help farmers manage their, their different kinds of risks. There has had been some progress on collaboration uh, within the CGRR. It was noted CCAFs and PIM, for example, but the structural changes uh, in one CGIR should offer uh, more scope for this in the future. So I guess the final words to everyone is to, well, stay tuned, because uh, I think more is on the horizon. Thank you, everyone. Great. Um, thank you, Frank. Um, I would like to again thank all of our speakers for their presentation, their remarks. Uh, and our audience for attending this event. If you'd like to send comments or questions about today's webinar, um, please contact PIM via the email on the screen. Uh, the event has been recorded and slides will be available on the PIM website, which is pim.cgiar.org. Uh, PIM Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye, thank you. <laughs>